When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll find out if we're really jiving. Because if I say no to you for now and say, oh, I can't, this won't work, what will your response be? And that will kind of determine to me what our relationship will be. Because you find out a lot about people when you tell them yes and when you tell them no. Boom. All right. Adrian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Sean, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to dig into your story. You certainly have one that's fairly, very inspiring, and you've got a new book that's about to come out. So, congrats on that. Thank you. I'm what's, excited. Yeah. Yeah. What's What's been the journey around, around that? Did you complete all of this before everything kind of hit around the world? Oh. I started writing this book in 2018. So, yeah, so it was written, I wrote it pretty quickly, I think. I mean, again, this is my first book, so I don't know how average time of written books, you know, I don't know what the average timeline for writing a book is, but it was about eight months. And a lot of my writing was on road trips, on planes. You know, I there are parts of the book where I know exactly which hotel room I was in. It's like, oh, I was in the Mandarin Oriental in Hong Kong there. (laughs) I was in Tokyo for this part. I was in Prague when I wrote this part. So, and I was on a flight moving back, you know, after my apartment needed to be remodeled. I mean, there's just like all these different memories when I read through the chapters, but people are just hopefully going to get out of this book that that kindness and connection and authenticity are non-negotiables in the world, especially in the world of business. So I'm excited to to share that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eight months is pretty um short i've I've heard people take two years to to write write a book uh, a lot of the times it's because they have to like start over again and they have to rewrite a lot of the stuff that you had to write it, it sounds like for for this one you kind of knew what you were writing especially given yeah. that you were on the road all the time like you you kind of knew exactly what you wanted to to put into the world well it's it's interesting and i've been sharing this a lot and i hope i don't sound like a broken record to people but it wasn't my idea to write about this topic it was a mentor And um, my mentor was like, you know, you need to write a book on kindness. That's what you should write a book on. And I thought, well, there's lots of books on kindness. You know, do we really need another one? And, you know, if people want to know how to be kind, they can go and find a book. And he's like, no, you need to write your book on kindness. You have a different perspective. And that is really um, what made it so easy because it's something that he had coached and mentored me in. It's something that I was very intentional about for years. So it wasn't like I had to study you know, what was going on outside of me. I already had all the case studies because for me, when you're sitting down and doing an interview like we are today, you know, it can be a conversation or it can be, you know, a list of questions. I think you you and I talked a little bit about that before. Uh, but my my desire is that everything I do, whether I'm traveling and I'm interviewing a celebrity or a dignitary or I'm covering a hard breaking news story like the children trapped in the cave in Thailand, 
I am going to do it with two things in mind. One is, am I truly engaged and present in that moment? And two is, what am I really there for? I'm there to cover this story, but that's a reason or that's my all access pass so that I can get to the place that I need to, to perhaps meet with someone else, connect with someone else, um, encourage somebody that I'm going to meet or work with there. I, I think of us as going to work, no matter what our jobs are, as a way to enter into a space with a person that we have a one in a million chance of reaching that other people wouldn't necessarily reach. And so then I'm living a purposed life, even in the midst of a career. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I mean, I I wonder. Um, did you ask your mentor why why he thought of and why he suggested that you write something around kindness? I mean, given the career that you had, you could have written a book about career or or empowering, uh, you know, the younger generation about something. You know, why do you think it was around kindness? Well, I think for me, when I look back on some of the things that I um, interacted with him on. There was a moment in my career where um, I was, I don't know, I was volunteering for his nonprofit. And he said, I'm going to have you edit video. I'm going to have you work on camera and you're going to be the best camera operator and best editor I have. Now, I was already on television in a local news market, 20th largest in the country. But he was asking me to volunteer and do these things. And he said, it's because I want you to empathize and feel what your camera crew and your producers are feeling. I want you to know what it's like in their shoes. And so he was constantly giving me these lessons on empathy. And if you look around us now, empathy is what we need, you know, more than perhaps anything. We need to be able to relate to people who look different than us, who think different than us, who have different political leanings than us. Um, that's the world that we live in increasingly have different age, you know, different generations interacting together. And so it didn't surprise me that he suggested to write this book. It's just that in a million years, I probably wouldn't have guessed it because it's to me something that was happening in the background all the time. But it, it's now all out there. So now my behind the scenes work is now more open book for other people to learn from. Right, right. I mean, speaking of empathy, I mean, we were just talking off air about how we need to do our own makeup and how we need to yeah. do our own production, <laughs> yeah. camera, lighting and everything. I mean, that's yeah. We've kind of been forced into empathizing with what the team around us have been doing for us, right? So, um, we need people. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for people. <laughs> uh, no kidding, no kidding. Well, I want to get into a bit more about how you got into this career path. You know, what what kind of inspired you to to get into it? Because it's it's certainly um, one that I think people look up to. Something that people want to do. Um, but only rare, it's really rare to really make it to the top, right? In, the, in this kind of a competitive, uh, you know, world that we, that we live in, in, the, in especially in the news. I uh, want to know a little bit more about what inspired you to, to get in there. Well, I wanted to be on television since I was a kid. I was somehow always intrigued by television and how people were perceived. You know, I wanted to always look for those people who looked very relatable, like where you saw them and you thought, that's somebody I want to have coffee with. That's somebody I'd want to have lunch with or, you know, meet one day. And for some reason, I, I just think, you know, it's like somebody asking you, you know, why, Sean, did you think to jump from college to being an entrepreneur in a country where you barely knew the language, if you knew the language at all? Like, what possessed you to do that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, sometimes I don't know that we know why something's on the inside of us. 
Um, but it was like this pull. I mean, I was very happy working in Dallas. I, I worked in Sacramento first and then I worked for the CBS affiliate in Dallas, Fort Worth. Love Texas. People think I'm from Texas. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, I just made myself at home there. And there was still this, like, not, I couldn't quench this pull to want to be on national television. And so it was just a, a journey that was I had to be willing to do anything for. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we were also talking off air about how you don't really know if you're on the right path, right, a lot of the times. And for me, it was similar to to how I felt as well, just because there wasn't really anyone in my family. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the first one in my family that ended up dropping out of university after getting into like a like a pretty decent one to pursue entrepreneurship and then to yeah. like book a one-way ticket to South America. There was all these things that were telling me no. Everything was against what I thought I was believing in just because I didn't have a, a role model or a proven track record of someone that's even been in entrepreneurship. And I was looking for all of these different confirmation biases, whether it's through books or reading an inspiring article. I was just trying to find anything that validated my opinion and it was it was certainly a hard path, but it was you kind of have to like search. You have to go out there and search to have some sort of conviction in terms of what you were doing. You can't just like sit and, and hope that you're going to feel that this is the right path, you know? Yeah. And I for me, it's that sense of belonging, just knowing I belonged in New York working for a major television network. I just knew it from when I, I was a child. Like I said, I knew that. I had no idea how to get there. And I was completely blindsided by how difficult the journey was to get there. You know, local news for me, I I had a really good run of local TV stations and, and it was those stations that helped me to forge the path and, and to kind of draw out the treasure map to get to the network. But I like to tell people that when you're jumping from local market to local market in news, it's like skipping over a pond. To me, that's the way I felt. When I went from local to national, it was like jumping over the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> wow. There, it was so much different. And so it was markedly different. And I had to learn different skills. And I had to pay my dues over again, in a sense. Um, if somebody would have told me how hard it was in the very beginning, and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs feel this way, if you would have told Sean Kim you know, 20 years ago how hard it was going to be, he might not have continued on that path. He might not have pursued it. I would not have pursued this if I had known how challenging it was. But I can tell you this, that it was worth all the hard work, all the hard knocks, and so many open doors, and the kindness from other people. I, I've been saying this lately a lot. It's not that we're not talented. It's not that we're not gifted as young people. But it's because someone else is kind to you and gives you a shot in the beginning. Because they could go with somebody who has much more experience than you, who has a very even temperament. But they're going to give you a shot for some reason. They see something, but they first have to be kind. Right. And that kindness is priceless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for people that aren't familiar with the industry, like how does one make it from like what's the traditional or what's like the, yeah, what is the traditional career path for, for someone to be in this industry? You start out as a local, I think Oprah started out as like a, as a local mm -hmm. uh, news broadcaster as well, right? Yes. So, yeah, so then what, what happens from there? What, what was like the hardest part you think in terms of getting into the, was it getting into the door or was it going from local to, to mainstream? What was that? 
it was everything. Um, well, because because there's a lot, like you said, about competition. There are a lot of people vying for very few spots in network television. It's just it, it's just the the supply and demand of it all, you know, and all the people who would like to be in those positions. Um, but more than that, it's the amount of work that it takes. Once you get in the door, you have to work extremely hard, and you have to be willing to travel at a moment's notice. I mean, there were mornings when I'd wake up in the morning. And at seven o'clock, I get a phone call. Can you get at the, can you be at the airport in 55 minutes? Can you be at the airport in an hour and a half? There's a flight in 55 minutes, you know? So I'm just telling you that it's, it's not just the work itself, but it's the determination that you are willing to be anything, be anywhere, go anywhere at any time. And a lot of people aren't willing to abandon the safety or the sanctity of what they like and what they want to do for that lifestyle. Right, right. Yeah, and, and the as we were talking about there, the pressures of being in an environment like this, uh, full of type A personalities. And I would say for, for a while it was it's fairly like a male dominant um kind of environment. Uh maybe I'm wrong, I'm not sure, but at least it it, it certainly feels that way, at least from the executive side how what was that like i mean i i know it was a long uphill battle as uh you know being being a woman it, you kind of have to work twice as hard in terms of getting noticed and in terms of getting recognition um what what was like what was that like in terms of battling it through was that something that you were prepared for for me i just knew it was work you know, I come from a big family. I don't know how many people are siblings in your family. Or I don't know if you lived with extended family in pretty Canada. Small. Yeah. Pretty small. I have six brothers and sisters. Wow. My mom's one of nine. There's so I have like 35 cousins. <laughs> Damn. I didn't I didn't look about working twice as hard working. What I, I honestly know it was just a lot of hard work. You know what I'm saying? Like when you and I think when you come from a big family, a lot of times you're the adversity of being in a large family causes you to kind of like suck it up and do whatever it takes, no matter what the adversity is. So you're not looking at the categorization of the adversity. Mm. <laughs> you're just like, I got to kick butt. I got to get in gear. I got to do what it takes. All right, I'm in. And, and really what it did was it stretched me to be willing to do anything. There was a point in my career, and I talk about this in the book, when I had to end up hostessing at a restaurant making minimum wage. And it was like, it was just, it was humbling. And it was at a point in my life when I'd already seen very good money and been in very good positions. And so it was almost like, I feel like I'm going backwards in time. Well, why was that the case? Why was it? Oh, because one of the jobs that I had endeavored to get in television, the negotiations fell through. And so when, when you negotiate and when you're endeavoring to learn how to do that, the one thing I'll tell people is that if they're going into network news, oftentimes, almost you know, 99 out of 100 times, they're going to need an agent. They're going to need somebody to negotiate for them. And so that's, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But in, in local news, it depends on what you know about negotiation and if that's a strength of yours, which for a lot of people, it's something that they get over time and in studying books and in talking to other people. And it's a process of having that confidence to do that. So in any event, I'm at the restaurant and my mentor is right before I'd, I'd gotten this job. He's like, Adrian, you've got to be willing to basically go on a street corner and sell pencils to people. If that's 
what it takes to get your dream to come to pass, if that's what it takes to get in the door and do what you need to do and live where you want to live and pursue what you want to pursue. And I'm very grateful that that was the case. It was very short lived. I mean, I, I don't ever want to dramatize it. It was two and a half weeks of my life, but it felt like an eternity. Right. Um, and, and, um, it was, it taught me a lot of lessons. It taught me a lot of lessons. And you were saying because that was because you were negotiating for yourself because it was a yes. local network and you, you yeah. wish you had an agent. I wish I, I wish I had an agent. I wish I'd had an agent, but you know what it did for me that was priceless was it taught me to stand for who I was and to know who I was, even when it didn't look like it was so. Does that make sense? Like, sure. you know, everything around you can be telling you no, and you say a defiant yes, but not in a pushy way, in a very, you know, humbly ambitious, confident way, and say, listen, I know where I belong, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Who cares if I have to? you know, be a hostess or be a waitress. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs have those moments where they're sleeping on couches. Um, I'm trying to think of, is it Salt and Straw, the ice cream company? I interviewed that entrepreneur once um, when I lived in Los Angeles. And he told me about two years of sleeping on a couch and living off of the scraps that his roommate chef friend of his would bring home from restaurants. And I thought in two years of having to do that, that might sound like humiliating to somebody, but now he's a multi, multi, whatever. I think I believe he's still in millionaire status. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than that. But with various locations around the country, wildly popular, has a partnership now with Dwayne Johnson. I mean, who cares if you have to sleep on a couch, scrape, scrimp, save, waitress, hostess, who cares? You're willing to do it. It's not everybody's story, but it's it's some people's story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still remember sleeping on the couch when I first got to New York. I mean, talk about the yes. crazy prices when you first moved down, especially well. in Canada with like different currency exchanges and everything. And um, and and I just, you know, I want to thank, I want to just name, call him out there, Mike, who let me stay on his couch for like two or three months or so. And um, yeah, it's 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 a game changer because you learn to appreciate almost everything that you have after that. Like just having your own place even if it's with roommates afterwards you're just like oh my god like i get my own space you just want to appreciate a lot of the things that you get afterwards you know yeah you, and thank you mike for being a good buddy and for helping sean out because that it really is the kindness of the people who are along the journey with us and you know and we may never see the people that are kind to us again who help give us that one aha moment that one business idea that one coffee meeting that sets us up to encourage us, to lift us, to keep us from quitting. I mean, that's why I think to me kindness is so invaluable is because for most of us, with all the ambition that we have, we're under so much pressure. Internally, our own demands, our own, you know, wanting to prove to ourselves who we are sometimes or wanting to give proof to the world of who we know we are. And then external pressure. I mean, the world is is crazy. There's so many things going on societally, culturally, politically, and just emotionally right now. And so one person's kindness, one person letting you crash on the couch, one person giving you the time of day, letting you interview again, because that was the other part of the story. After I hostessed at, at that restaurant, the woman who I had had failed negotiations with ended up taking me up on another coffee and then ended up walking into the restaurant and I seated her for lunch one day. That was weird. Hmm. But because she saw me and I just smiled and she's like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm a host on TV and I'm a host here. Let me show you to your seat. And two and a half weeks later, that's how I got my contract. From her? 
from the same woman that things had fallen through with. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like a full circle. It is a very full circle. It's in the book and I'm excited to tell it because it's something that I don't, you know, it's never been published before. It's never been talked about broadly before, but um, I think it's important to show people it's kind to show people, especially those who are aspiring entrepreneurs, aspiring career moguls, that there are going to be ups and downs and that you can be resilient, but expect the kindness of people. Don't think that it's you against the world all the time. Be kind to people because as you are kind, you're building that muscle memory that kindness does work. And then you're actually anticipating that there are other kind people like yourself out there in the world. A lot of times we get so hardened and even jaded because of our own experiences with disappointments, with people letting us down, with people giving us failed promises or false promises. And it's like you start to kind of put yourself in your own little world, in your own little corner of defense to protect your heart, to protect your dreams, to protect your ideas. But as you're kind, it generates this optimism that is more than just pie in the sky thinking. It really is fuel so that you can have more clarity and more kindness shown to you. Yeah. I mean, from her perspective, I imagine when something goes like sideways in a negotiation or something like that, you would expect that. Well, first of all, I'm sure she was shocked to see you working as a yeah. hostess. But for you to show kindness and smiles, um, you know, obviously you were a hostess, but just to even show that in an authentic and genuine way, it probably threw her off in a lot of ways. It, I'm sure it killed a lot of the defensiveness or because uh, that's, that's kind of what it does, right? Kindness kills the ego for a lot of relationships that could go sideways because when something goes through, the immediate reaction that you expect from someone is anger, frustration, um, you know, envy, whatever it might be. But when, when you see kindness from the other person or it just kind of throws you off, you're like, oh, wow, like this person is um, maybe I overreacted. You kind of start to question yourself a little bit. You're, uh, um, you, you, get, you can get all kinds of feelings involved because it's, it's refreshing to have a kind person come across your path. I'm often surprised at other people's shock at how kindness is in the room. Like when I'm kind to somebody, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, like I didn't expect you to be like this. I've had people tell my producer, I'll walk in and I'll do an interview and then I'll walk out and they'll say, hey, guess what? After you left, they said to me, oh, she was a lot kinder or nicer than I thought she was going to be. To you by you. Whoa, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, it doesn't happen every day, but when it does happen, it's because they've been treated a certain way by somebody else. And they assume whatever. I mean, and it, it's not necessarily journalists. It might be, you know, maybe they've had, you know, somebody that looks like me be rude to them. I have no idea. But mm. all of us can be guarded. All of us can be hurt by the way people have treated us. And it's just nice to know that there are kind people left in the world. And there are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I also have like a re whenever I'm focused, uh, I think I get this from my mom, but whenever she and I are focused, there's like a certain look that we have and we might be so happy in our minds. We might be thinking about like the, you know, the, the happiest things, but the way we look, it just looks like we're kind of pissed off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> resting face. Yeah, the resting face. I always say that yeah, it's the B word, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the resting face. Well, and I think, you know, it's funny because I was doing this empathy workshop for a company recently and one of the guys on the call, he asked me a question. He said, I tend to be a very business-minded, very task-oriented and I know that I put off this general impression that I don't care about the people that I work with, that I don't have the time of day for them because I so want to get everything done. 
He said, I want to change that. How do I change? I said, use the strength that you have in logistics, in spreadsheets, in tasks, and apply it to kindness. Schedule kindness as part of your day. Put it on your calendar. Put an alarm that says, send a just because text message or a video message. That's what I've been telling people, like selfie mode video, and just say, hey, you're amazing. You're a rock star. Can't wait to see your face. Bye. Mm. And then just send it. And just because, not because you're trying to make a sale, not because you need anything, not because you want them to introduce you to a friend, but just because you want to keep in touch with them for the sake of that relationship. And I said, you, your face might seem too serious sometimes, but people will remember how you made them feel in that moment where you took 10 seconds or five minutes out of your day and said, hey, I'm just sending you a note to say I appreciate you. Thanks for all the hard work you're doing on this project. Literally set your alarm for 11 a.m. before you start that spreadsheet. Before you start that, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, send a kindness note to somebody just because it will brighten their day and it will brighten your mood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, instead of just seeing a text, I mean, images are worth a thousand words, but I yeah. imagine video is, is probably worth <laughs> infinite amounts. Um, yeah. So that, that's a great point. Um, when, when it comes to the, the work cultures, especially for someone like yourself, right, that's you're, you're, you, you've kind of risen and you're continuously rising to become one, you know, one of the top figures in the industry. And obviously what happens after that is more people want your time and more people mm -hmm. are going to want to you know, try to get into your circle or try to invite you to events and all these opportunities that are happening. And it's easy when you know, you're, it's easy when you're kind of a dick and you're just like, okay, you can say no all the time, but how do you balance being kind and how do you balance being authentic uh, meaning, how do you say no to opportunities or to new introductions or anything like that that you just don't have time for, even even though you want to, you just don't have time for given how busy you are. But how do you say no in a kind way? It's so funny because I just asked my mentor this question because I asked him to join me um, during a, a kindness talk, an empathy talk. And I said, oh, my gosh, I said, I forgot to get on your calendar. It's tomorrow. Like it was literally like I gave him hours notice. And I said, I know I told you I was mentioning this as a heads up, save the date. But I never gave him the date. And he's like, OK, what do we have to do? He's like, OK. And he moved things around so he could be there for me. And I said, how do you do that? Like, how in the world do you shift all these mountains and move all these things around for one person? And he said, Adrian, you do what you've got to do. You make it happen. And for me, I've, I've really, I've really, I've realized that I do that. I make it happen for people when I really believe I'm supposed to be a part of it. If it's something where it, it already, you know, my calendar's booked, I can't, you know, fit in another thing. I'll often reach out and I'll say, listen, you know, it's not going to work for this time, but can we talk and I'll give an alternate date. I'll say, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it to this event, but please keep me in mind. I think the, the point is to see progress, to move forward in the relationship and in the conversation, to not see things as so static. So it's not a black and white yes or no. You know, and it's not when I say yes to you, I'm saying yes to who you are. And, you know, when I say no to you, I'm rejecting who you are. I think it's just this continuous loop of conversation. Like if you see it like a movie reel, you know, it, it, we never stop. And I'm not going to say yes to you. And then all of a sudden we're besties or say no to you and we'll never speak again. There will be future times to connect. There will be future things to say yes to. Or we'll find out if we're really jiving. Because if I say no to you for now and say, oh, I can't, this won't work, what will your response be? And that will kind of determine to me what our relationship will be. 
because you find out a lot about people when you tell them yes and when you tell them no. Mm. And so use it as a lesson. Don't lose, don't use it so, so much as this stringent, you know, checking off of boxes. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it right there. I was, I, I can totally relate to that. I mean, a lot of my, I know who my real friends are or people that are really going to be loyal and by my side, um, by how they react, certainly when, when they say no. And I think that's also a lesson when you ask for favors or when you ask for opportunities or introductions or for other people, you, you kind of want to give people an easy way out. Meaning like, you don't want to just ask and like, and like, just be like hands shaking, like waiting for the phone. Like you don't, you kind of seem off desperate and it throws people the wrong way all, all, all the time. Cause it gives them, it puts a lot of pressure for them to say yes. And because a lot of people are, are kind and a lot of people feel bad when they have to say no to opportunities. It's not like yeah. people thrive saying no to off, you know, often things like, no. yes, I said no 50 times today. <laughs> it's just, people don't act like that. Right. So I, I, which is ironic because when you give people a way out, um, where I think I, I was asking for a introduction to, um, for, for, for someone that I met in New York to someone in LA. And I made sure that at the end I said, listen, like I, I completely understand if this is not within your realm or if you're too busy, you don't even have to respond. Um, when I'm back in New York, we'll, we'll definitely get a coffee and instant response, right? Cause there was no pressure for him to, to do it. And it, I guess for, for I don't know. It's like a it's like a weird psychological thing that people want to help you when you're not so desperate for it. <laughs> well, and and I think that it's it's a matter of confidence too in how you ask and how you're perceiving. You know that ask. I I say in the first chapter of my book, um, everybody's asking for something. You know, it might be appreciation. It might be a business idea. It might be to find love. It might be just, please, somebody tell me where I can get a turmeric latte. You know, like everybody is craving or has this big ask on the inside of them is like, will I ever know what I'm meant to do on this planet? You know, will I ever know what my destiny is? Um, I think that it's really cool that whether somebody's asking you for something or you're the one giving the something that we're all a part of this journey in helping each other find whatever we're asking for. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, as you, as you've kind of risen to, to, to this career path, I know one of the things that particularly in the newsroom that is a struggle is, is taking care of your mental health because of how stressful it is. And I think, um, uh, I think he works for ABC actually. There's a guy named Dan Harris. So he publicly talks about this, which is why I'm mentioning. And I, I think he had like a panic attack live on air, uh, a decade ago, five years ago, something like that. And it, uh, I, I think it completely changed a lot of the way he was thinking about taking care yes. of his mental health. He ended up writing a book, created this uh, meditation app and everything. Uh, but I imagine he's not the only one that, that, uh, that has gone through it. He's just the one that has really gone on to publicly talk about it. But I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about how, what's that conversation like in, 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 in the room and also how you do it for yourself. Well, Dan, I know very well. He is one of the nicest guys. His uh, 10% happier is doing quite well. And he did, you know, talk about it, opened up the conversation, made it, I don't want to say casual or made it approachable, relatable to meditate, I think, in a lot mm. of ways for people. Um, and I think meditation is different things for different people. So for me, I just did five 
things that I do to maintain my mental health on goodmorningamerica.com. So the timing of your question is amazing. But um, they had me kind of give this list of things that anybody could do. And one of the things I do is meditative breathing. And so instead of just this, because again, meditation is a lot of different definitions for people. But if I'm breathing, there was one time in my career when I was so frustrated that things were not going the way that I wanted them to go. And my girlfriend called me and said, Adrian, you just need to breathe. And I wanted to be like, why are you so flippant? Like, this is I, I'm this is like my whole world right now. Like, just breathe. And I got off the phone with her. I wasn't mad at her, but it was just like, no, you know, okay, fine, I'll breathe. And when I took that breath, I took the deepest breath in and deepest breath out I could, you know, just really intentional about this breath and realized, oh my gosh, if I am not grateful for breath, the power of life pumping through me right now to even be walking around right now then how can I be grateful for those opportunities or those places that I so long to go to? It's like I was begrudging or despising the breath and seeking the opportunity. And so that really helps center me in a practice of breathing, a gratefulness practice, where as I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out, I'm conscious of the fact that is life, that is the power of life, that is the strongest force that I have. Because I can't think without it, I can't create without it, I can't write without it. I can't live without it. And so um, that's a big, big, big thing for mental health for me because as soon as I breathe, I really pause and everything else that seems huge or impossible gets really small. Mm. And that breath gets really big and it just centers and relaxes me so much. It's one of the prime reasons that I'm still doing what I do today because if you don't breathe in this business, if you don't take a pause when it's high stress, high pressure, when you could pop off and say something in anger or frustration, and that's in any business, because of the stress level of what we're doing, right? You, you're on the phone with somebody who's working with you, a partner, and things can get intense. You're on email and you're buzzing back and forth. I've done it. Everybody's done it. Stop and take a breath and recollect your thoughts so that you don't say something you'll regret. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that because it, it, it's so simple. It's something that any one of us can do. Because I know a lot of my friends that try to get into meditation, they, they think they need a an app. And the app can be certainly helpful or they need to pay thousands of dollars uh, for like a TM retreat. And the truth is a lot of meditation is, is simply just breathing, getting rid of the thoughts, right? Yeah, breathing, pause. Pause. Stop, stop. And people are like, well, I don't know how to stop thinking. If you just breathe, just focus on the breath and breathing in, and like sucking it all in and then letting it and it just like everything kind of just washes over you I mean I felt it just now just just take that pause and it's like the the burden that you carry you carry because the thing is you know we carry especially if we're the first in our family the first entrepreneur the first to graduate college the first to pursue a legacy generational, you know, financial stability, we carry not only our own burden, but we carry the burden of our family. Mm. We want to take care of our parents. We want to take care of our siblings. We want to build something for our children. And we literally carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And we have to be kind to ourselves. And remember, if, if we don't breathe, we have nothing. It makes you because you start to beat yourself really big and really important because you're carrying the weight of everybody. But Sometimes you have to get really small to get really big again, <laughs> to see that you are so important and so vital to the circle of life. 
please don't forget to breathe because if if you don't take care of yourself, you will take take it out on other people. That's what I say. If you don't take care of yourself, you will take that out on other people. You will be cranky. You will be touchy. You won't smile. You, you know, you won't be easy to work with or fun to work with. And that's why we have to be kind, breathe, pause. It's okay to take a break. The world will go on without us. The business will pick back up again. Yeah, that's a great reminder for sure. I just did a couple of deep breaths myself and Good. feeling, feeling right, <laughs> right in balance. Um, but I think you're right because it, a lot of these things, it compounds too, right? Because especially when you're younger, you feel like when you look at someone that's made it, you, you, I guess the, the conception that you have, the perception that you have is that they've just kind of broken through walls and they've never stopped and they're, they're constantly on. It's like the typical type A personality and when you're young you can certainly do it right you probably in your early 20s you can go without sleep you can drink red bull and you can go on for days just constantly cranking away and not taking any sort of a breather um but, but the problem is it, it compounds right because yeah. you think when you feel snappy or when you feel moody uh you feel like that's okay but then three years goes by five years goes by and not only does it affect the way, you know, it kind of defines who you are after a couple of years, maybe a week of bad mood, it's fine, because you recognize that. But three years, that's like who you are at this point, you become that snappy dude. And that affects your relationship <laughs> or a girl, you know, that affects your relationships that affects yeah. the mood. Um, it's, it's quite dangerous if you don't take that breath and, and, um, and just take a breather. Yeah, and, and the most successful people in the world, you know, there's all the different levels of what made them successful. Being driven, being type A is just one facet of a personality that makes it. But I like to say that a lot of the people that I've met who are the most successful, most well-known, most influential people in the world have these different sides to them that aren't always broadcast on a big screen. And, you know, on, one of the stories in the book is I was interviewing, I don't remember who I was interviewing. I think it was Nathan Fillion. And he... I, I didn't, I just asked him, what's some of the best advice you've had over your 20 something year career? And he says, well, my mom kept a little notebook for me and told me to always be kind to the people on the way up because they're the same people you see on the way down. I didn't tell him I was writing a book on kindness. He just told me that. Then as I'm sitting there, one of the sound guys says, that reminds me of a story from Hugh Jackman. He came in here and found out our camera guy, Ken, had a birthday that day and he came in without ever talking about the interview said, wait a minute, I want to see Ken. Where's Ken? I want to say happy birthday and gave him a big hug. Mm. And so when I saw Hugh Jackman at good morning America, like three weeks later, I ran up to him and I'd never met him and said, I got to tell you what people are saying about you. They're saying you're really kind. And he's like, well, my mom always told me to lead with kindness. I guess that stuck with me again. I didn't tell them I was writing a book on kindness. But when you put kindness out there, it magnetically is drawn back to you. And the and some of the most successful people in the world remember to be kind. You hear, you know, the stories of people who are divas or devos or whatever. But I'm telling you, it's kindness at the top. Kindness is the cream of the crop. It makes a difference and it makes you more susceptible in a positive way to receiving and seeing that kindness. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that as well. Hugh Jackman apparently is just like a like a sweetheart. Yes, he yeah. was. He was very kind to me. He was very shocked when I walked him. I'm going to tell you what people are saying about you. And I had this big smile on my face. He's like, what? <laughs> You're kind, buddy. You know, it was just like, it was a sweet moment. He was, he was a really doll. I mean, just, he was great. Real sweet. 
Yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves, I've heard, is another one. There are certain people that would surprise you, you know, because you, you, the immediate perception that you get is uh, the people that are at the top, especially in Hollywood, are are all going to act a certain way. Um, and yeah, the the big thing that I've that I've found is is when you look at like the top one percent, or, or you know the you know when it comes to financials, it could be the, the billionaires. It could, when it comes to Hollywood, it could be the top one percent. The, the people that have really risen to the top, ironically, they, they, maybe not ironically, but they seem to be the kind ones. They seem to be the ones that are most generous with their time and the ones that are the most appreciative. Whereas versus the, the people that are still kind of rising, are the ones that are that are still kind of coming through, they, they tend to have the most ego. Maybe it's because they have to be Maybe they're a little bit self-conscious, or maybe they they tend to be a little bit more defensive. Uh, they have something to prove still. Um, I just I just find it ironic that um, the people that have really risen to the top are the ones that are the most gracious. Yeah, I th- I think we have to really change our perception of you know not judging who could be kind or who would be kind. You know, I I I talk about the fact that I think everybody is born kind it's um, why do you think they call us humankind because it's nature it's natural propensity it's it's our determination it's like our genus and our species we are made to be kind it's just that life can hit you sideways and you don't realize how hard disappointments hit you you don't realize how hard it is when life doesn't go the way you think i i i have this theory you know because i think most 23 year olds today and i felt like this when i was 23 you really think you're supposed to be way up here. Like you really do believe that you're supposed to be more well-known, richer, more established, have the houses, have the you know businesses. In your mind, you think there's something wrong or you're missing something or you're delayed because you don't have all these ducks in a row. And you don't realize how long it took so many people and that it's, it's a rarity to get it so early all at once. <laughs> it's so rare. And, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've had to decide, do I care more about what I've achieved? Or do I care more about the woman that I am becoming? And for me, it was about the woman I'm becoming. Yes, I desire success. Yes, I des- I've had a measure of success. Yes, I desire to do certain things. But more than that, I want to be who I am. And I want to impact change in the world. And if I care more about other people and give them the solutions that they need, my dreams are going to be answered My to me. And I'm going to live a lot more purposefully and fulfilled as a result. And that's way better than just having the money. I, I'm all about the money. I mean, I'm not against money. <laughs> okay. But, but what good is money if you're miserable? What good is a good job if you're gloomy and depressed and moody and that moody dude, like you said, you know, that snappy dude. I'm going to use that, by the way. Um, what good is it? If you, I'm, that's really what, when I was starting to write the book, that's what I was feeling is like, there has to be more to life than just getting stuff done. And it's true. Kindness yep. is the answer. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good lesson for for the younger people because I mean, it's it's a kind of a catch 22, right? Because we you it is a rarity for someone that is 20 to 25 to you know, to hit seven figures and to be, you know, be famous. It's so so rare. You're talking about the 0.01%, maybe 0.001%. 
And the positive side to that is, yeah, like the the news outlets or the major mainstream networks, they want to talk about that because of how rare it is, because of how um, you know ex- extreme it is, because they want to highlight that it's it's possible uh, for 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 anyone. It, it, it's a glimmer of hope, I guess, for some people that are struggling, and they look at yeah. that person that's their age, and a lot of people can find inspiration in that. The other side to that is. Now, because it's so popularized and it's everywhere they see, they hop on their phone and they see someone that is famous on Instagram or they go on YouTube and they see, you know, the favorite vlogger that's their age that are, you know, living in this big house and they get so many views that they think that's how everyone is living. And it's... But it's not true. Not at all. Not at all. It's not... In fact, it's not even... It's not true. It's that there's so much of a grind and there's so much of a village and when you fill the room, I talk about this on um, the first chapter, it's like you walk into a room and people sense that, wow, you're something different. Well, they sense all the people who invested in you. They sense all the, 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 the dreams that your mom and dad had for you or that your aunts or your grandparents had for you. They feel that from the inside of you because they're with you. Like you are the you are the result of so many people, coaches, teachers, mentors believing in you. And that's the beauty of one person making a difference because you carry all those people with you to achieve the dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end it, Adrian. Uh, we, we end off the, the interviews with a small but actionable step or advice or tip that someone that's listening can go out there and do today, uh, meaning it's not something that they're going to ponder on. It's something that they can take action on could be super small, uh, just something that they can do to go from zero to one today uh, for for this year, whatever it might be, to to get that one step level up in in, in terms of accomplishing what their uh, dreams are. Well, I would just say this really, it's a two step process. One is who does your heart break for right now? Whose problems do you want to solve? Who are you noticing? You know, when you're watching TV, when you're online, when you're on Twitter, when you're on Instagram, like who do you have compassion for? Whose problems do you want to solve? And and what is that that you could attribute to the solution? What can you contribute rather to the solution? Um, you know, when I did this years ago, it was, you know, okay, who do I want to help? I want to help women. Okay, how can you help women right now? What is on your heart to do? And I said, well, I, I'm concerned about women who might be, you know, in New York for Valentine's Day. They don't necessarily need a date or even want a date, but they need something. They need somebody to show them I love you. And so I threw a Valentine's Day party, but it wasn't about like, oh, you don't have a date. So like, come here instead. It was more like, you know, I just want to tell you you're worth it. I just want to tell you you're beautiful. I just want to tell you you're lovely because loneliness is pervasive right now. People feel isolated right now. And it it doesn't matter what their age is. The elderly feel lonely. The young feel lonely. uh, The people who have a whole house full of people and they're living with them feel lonely um, for whatever reason, but I, I was compelled to do that. And I threw this party and gave away gift bags and it was so fulfilling, but it was just, that took me to another level because I had to throw something together, but do it well in two weeks. And we did it. And it was a, it was a huge success. So to get from here to there, it usually isn't going to be you trying to figure out what to do in you and what to fix and how many books to read and what you can do to climb. Whose problem do you want to solve? And what, are you going to do to take the first step in doing that? Beautiful. You're an inspiring soul. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you, Sean Kim. All right, guys, make sure you guys check out 
Adrian's book, uh, Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and connects you with anyone. Where else can people find you online? They can go to yourhiddensuperpower.com. My Instagram is AB on TV. And we're also starting our account, The Unbeatable Kind, because kindness truly does make you unbeatable. Nobody can beat kindness. And we've got the book on Audible as well. So if you'd rather prefer an audio book, we've got it for you. Beautiful. All right, guys, join the movement. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.